Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality with your hosts, Brittany Hartley and Bill Reel. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, Email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. All right, all right, all right. Folks, hopefully the sound is working great. Uh, you can leave a comment to just let me know you can hear me. Um, I'm here all by myself today. Jana Spangler and Britt Hartley are both away. And so this week, uh, I was in charge of coming up with something. And I, I've been thinking, because my wife and I just got back from the Grand Canyon <clears throat> and on the way home, great trip, great vacation. Uh, the Grand Canyon is absolutely gorgeous. And on the way home, uh, my wife and I had uh, an argument. And it was one of these where both people are adamant that the other person uh, was being hurtful towards them. And both people understood the situation very different in what was happening. And, and both like, once we figured it out, we realized like both sides really genuinely were like, Hey, I didn't see that coming. I wasn't expecting that thing to happen. And uh, I didn't see the situation the way you did. And the way I understood the situation, you were doing things that were hurtful to me. And it was both of us were doing that. And I've had conversations on this podcast before about taking the tie and about the difference in values uh, in perspectives. And so today I want to share with you some parables, uh, six of them. And I want to talk uh, a little bit about uh, how we can negotiate in heated disagreement so that things don't get, uh, don't escalate and get out of hand. And in the argument my wife and I had, we we had a pretty big argument. And by the time we had gotten home, we were both just kind of pissed at each other. And I think these moments happen where you assume the other person is having the same experience that you are, and they're not. And it is fundamentally different. And I always say there's this idea that people, you're either hearing, so when there's a disagreement, again, there's unhealthy people too, right? There's there's just shitty individuals who are trying to do shitty things in the world and they're showing up unhealthy. But when two good people who are showing up at least as decent versions of themselves, when they get into an argument, almost certainly somebody heard something wrong or somebody said something wrong. And it can be as little, and I'm sure you can relate to this. It can be as little as you're driving down the road and you're talking about something and you say umbrella but the other person uh, hears trampoline and, you know, then you're in an argument about, no, 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 I said this. No, 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 you said that. Or, and it can throw things off, but it's such a small thing. And then there are these big arguments when uh, you really are experiencing the world very differently and your expectations of what is going on and what the conversation means is very different from the person next to you. And I want to suggest, the idea today is I want to suggest that you take the tie. And the tie can show up in lots of ways. The tie can show up in agreeing to disagree, like, hey, you, 
you want your world to look that way. I want my world to look this way. And we just can't agree, but we're just going to set it down and move on from this moment because neither one of us can compromise and neither one of us is able to let the other person have it be the way they want it to be. Um, other ways of taking a tie is to compromise. Maybe there's times where my wife and I both want a different restaurant and we'll pick a third restaurant that we mutually agree on, even though it wasn't her favorite or my favorite in the moment for what we wanted that day. Um, other ways to uh, take the tie um, is to sit and to listen to someone else's perspective and to understand where they're coming from. So you go like, oh, I can see now. The way you experienced that moment makes sense to me. That's not how I experienced it, but I can grant that it experienced that you experienced it that way and that the way you experienced it caused you lots of hurt. And I'm really sorry for the hurt that it caused you in the way that you experienced it. Now, can I share with you how I experienced it? And then hopefully the other person can hear that side. And you can essentially mutually agree that the other person's version of events was true to them and you honor the feelings that happened because of it. And so with that said, kind of setting the groundwork, let me read a couple parables. I've got three that are uh, kind of general and then three that'll kind of get to more of taking the tie. In this first one, uh, I call this one the war of words. War of words. Once upon a time in a quaint village nestled amidst lush green hills, there lived two neighbors. Lucas and Amelia. Both were known for their kindness, their compassion, their, and their unwavering sense of justice. Villagers admired their virtuous nature and often sought their counsel in times of trouble. One sunny day, a disagreement arose between Lucas and Amelia. It started with a simple misunderstanding, but soon escalated into heated arguments and hurtful words exchanged. The villagers were taken aback, unable to fathom how two of the most respected individuals in their community could be at odds. As the conflict continued to escalate, the village elder, wise old Thomas, decided to intervene. He invited both Lucas and Amelia to his humble abode, where he served them tea and listened patiently to their grievances. Lucas expressed his perspective, highlighting the values that he held dear, honesty, accountability, and a desire for justice. On the other hand, Amelia shared her viewpoint, emphasizing the significance of empathy, forgiveness, and understanding. As Thomas listened, he realized that both Lucas and Amelia were passionate about their values and genuinely believed in doing what was right. However, their approaches to solving problems and understanding the world differently, sorry, differed greatly. Let me say that again. However, their approaches to solving problems and understanding the world differed greatly. Lucas leaned towards seeking justice and accountability, and Amelia emphasized compassion, forgiveness, and second chances. With his wisdom, Thomas gently explained, My dear friends, you both possess extraordinary virtues and values. The essence of your disagreement lies not in your goodness, but in your unique perspectives and the values you hold dear. He continued, 
Imagine the world as a beautiful mosaic, with each one of us representing a different colored tile. When we come together, our diverse perspectives create a vibrant masterpiece. But sometimes, two tiles may not fit together seamlessly, causing discomfort and misunderstandings. Lucas and Amelia pondered Thomas's words deeply. They realized that their disagreement was not a reflection of their lack of goodness, but rather an expression of their individual values and perspectives. Thomas further advised, in moments of disagreement, instead of assuming the other person is wrong, try to understand their values and perspective. Seek common ground where your values can coexist harmoniously. Embrace the differences, for they are what makes each of you unique and valuable to this world. With newfound understanding and compassion, Lucas and Amelia resolved their differences, hugging each other tightly. From that day on, they cherished their friendship, understanding that disagreement could lead to growth, provided it was approached with empathy and respect. Word of this parable spread throughout the village, and it became a timeless lesson for generations to come. It taught everyone that when two good people find themselves hurt in a disagreement, it is often not a question of right or wrong, but a beautiful manifestation of diverse values and perspectives. Through empathy, understanding, and a willingness to learn from each other, they could transform conflicts into opportunities for growth and strengthen the bonds that held their community together. When, when you recognize that when you come to another conversation with another human being, that you two, you, you have different personalities, you have different life experiences, you have different traumas, you have different values, depending, like I'm an eight on the Enneagram, I'm a justice warrior. Now, if I, if I run up to somebody who's a peacemaker, my justice warrior personality is going to approach the world very different. It's going to want the world to look very different. It's going to be willing to be uncomfortable in different spaces than the peacemaker is and vice versa. And so the, the more we sit with people and understand, again, assuming good people who are coming to an experience, at least as their decent selves, then if we take the time and disagreement, because when both sides are heated, Take a step back and recognize that both sides have something at stake, something that feels precious to them in that disagreement, that they are fighting to be heard. They're fighting to be right. They're fighting to make it clear that the other person crossed a line. But when both parties are doing that, it is almost always a misunderstanding a misunderstanding of values, a misunderstanding of perspective, a misunderstanding of the situation, a misunderstanding of how the other person heard something, but the way you intended it to be given. And, and either they understood you wrong or you said it wrong. And there are these opportunities to take the tie. And taking the tie can be much easier 
met and achieved. If you take the time to pause for a moment, noticing that things are getting heated, take a moment to pause and to sense that the other person comes to this situation almost assuredly with a difference of values, a difference of perspective, and in line with perspective, perhaps a misunderstanding. Okay. Second one, I call this one the Garden of Reflection. In a faraway kingdom, there once lived two master gardeners, Lily and Rose. They tended to the royal garden, a place of unparalleled beauty and tranquility. Lily, a pragmatic and disciplined gardener, believed in structured rose and precise pruning. Rose, on the other hand, embraced a more natural approach, allowing the flowers to flourish in their wild beauty. One day, as they worked side by side, an argument erupted over how the garden should be cared for. Each gardener passionately defended their approach, unable to fathom why the other couldn't see the beauty of her own method. The wise queen who cherished harmony in her garden called for a meeting. She listened attentively as Lily and Rose presented their perspectives. The queen acknowledged their dedication and acknowledged that both approaches had merits. To help them understand one another, the queen proposed a challenge. She asked Lily and Rose to take turns creating a small section of the garden following their respective philosophies. Each gardener would then tend to the other's creation, allowing them to experience firsthand the beauty and challenging challenges of the opposing approach. As the weeks passed, Lily carefully tended to the wildflowers of Rose's section, discovering the subtle beauty in the spontaneous growth. Meanwhile, Rose found joy in creating orderly rose, appreciating the sense of accomplishment and serenity it brought. In the end, when they saw their gardens blossom in different yet equally enchanting ways, Lily and Rose realized that their differences were not flaws, but a reflection of their individuality. They embraced the idea that the diverse garden could be more beautiful than one planted solely by one philosophy. From that day on, Lily and Rose worked together, combining their strengths and approaches to create an even more magnificent royal garden where wild beauty and structured elegance flourished side by side. When we have a disagreement with somebody that we love and care about, it, it's because both people, there's just no way that any two human beings could be the exact same. And so anytime two human beings are sharing space with each other, we're going to bump into each other. We're going to have things happen that have us, um, have us wanting our world to look different than the person that we're sharing space with. And it can be anything. It can be the food you eat. It can be the entertainment you seek. It can be the sex that you and your partner have. 
there are so many differences in us human beings that it's inevitable that we're not going to, just like in the last story where it said that in a mosaic, sometimes two tiles sit next to each other. And because of the surface of one against the other, that they're sort of making each other uncomfortable in that mosaic. In this instance with the, the garden, the garden of reflection, if we would notice that everybody brings gifts and flaws to a relationship, to a conversation, to any shared space, and it's a beautiful opportunity that when there is those differences, that if we can, as this story was saying here, put ourselves in the other person's shoes for a little bit and also find the beauty in allowing the other person to have the world look the way they want at times too. And it's another possible way to take the time. The next one here is called the starry puzzle. In a galaxy filled with celestial wonders, there live two stargazers, Orion and Cassiopeia. Both were renowned for their knowledge of the cosmos and their ability to map the stars. They often met at night to share their discoveries and to discuss the mysteries of the universe. One night, while stargazing, they encountered a peculiar celestial formation that sparked an intense debate. Orion was convinced that the stars formed the shape of a mighty warrior, while Cassiopeia was equally certain that they represented a beautiful queen. Their disagreement grew more fervent, and the harmony of their stargazing night seemed at risk of being shattered. Concerned about their friendship, the wise old astronomer Leo intervened. Leo invited Orion and Cassiopeia to his observatory, where he presented them with a grand celestial puzzle reflecting the formation of stars that they had witnessed. The puzzle had two slides, one resembling a warrior and the other resembling a queen, symbolizing both perspectives. Leo explained, in the vast cosmos, the stars shine with infinite diversity, mirroring the multifaceted nature of our own thoughts and beliefs. Each of you perceives the celestial wonders through the lens of your unique experiences and dreams, creating these beautiful interpretations. As Orion and Cassiopeia placed, I'm sorry, pieced the puzzle together, they marveled at how the two interpretations seamlessly fit, forming a harmonious whole. They realized that the universe was vast enough to encompass multiple truths and perspectives. With newfound understanding, they returned to their stargazing nights, each marveling at the celestial wonders, excuse me, <clears throat> celestial wonders while respecting the other's view. They knew that the beauty of the cosmos lied not in proving one another wrong, but in embracing the diverse ways they perceived its grandeur. From then on, whenever they stargazed together, Orion and Cassiopeia admired the stars not just for their brilliance, but also for their shared wonder of discovering the universe through their unique perspectives. Their friendship blossomed as they embraced the idea that, 
in the vastness of space and life's tapestry, differences of values and perspectives were not obstacles, but the very essence of beauty and understanding. So some folks just experience the world different than the way you do. I was reading this uh, while I was at the Grand Canyon this week. I was reading Don Miguel Ruiz's uh, Circle of Fire, and I'm not all the way through it yet, but I'm about halfway. And he talks about how each one of us, the world in front of us, what we see out of our eyes as we experience life each day, he he says it's like a dream. You're dreaming. And the person next to you might be in your dream, and you might be in theirs, but you have different dreams. You have no idea what it's like to be the person next to you. You have no idea what the world looks like to them, what conversations sound like to them, what meanings are being made. And we, we all created, we human beings created language to try to approach it, but it's flawed. These words all mean, they can mean different things. They can mean degrees of things. And the more that we recognize that the person next to us is seeing a different dream from their lens, then we can be more understanding and patient and kind. Three more, and then I'll end the show, and hopefully each of us got something from these. In a bustling town, there live two skilled artisans, Mia and Alex, each renowned for their craftsmanship. One day, a spirited debate arose in the marketplace about which art form was superior, painting or sculpting. Mia was a passionate painter, while Alex was an avid sculptor, and neither was willing to concede their art's supremacy. Unable to find common ground, the townspeople decided to seek the counsel of a wise elder named Sage. They brought Mia and Alex to his tranquil garden where he welcomed them with a warm smile. Sage listened intently to both artisans' arguments, appreciating the depth of their dedication to their respective crafts. He then presented a challenge to resolve the conflict. Create a masterpiece together, he suggested, one that blends the essence of both painting and sculpting. Confused yet intrigued, Mia and Alex accepted the challenge. They spent weeks collaborating, blending colors and shapes, and exchanging ideas. The result was breathtaking, was a breathtaking work of art. Excuse me for a second. a painting that seemed to leap out of the canvas and a sculpture that seemed to draw the viewer into its form. The townspeople were astonished by the masterpiece and it became a symbol of harmony and unity. Mia and Alex realized that by combining their talents, they had achieved something greater than either could have accomplished alone. In the end, they learned that sometimes taking a tie in a conflict can lead to a beautiful equilibrium, a balanced resolution that honors the uniqueness of each perspective while finding common ground that enriches the whole. My wife and I, uh, in the last year or two, we've started and we go out to dinner a little bit, you know, a couple times a week. And when we go out to dinner, we don't uh, each get our own plate anymore. We share a plate. 
we used to get our own plate and I had my favorite things I like to eat at certain places. And she had her favorite things she liked to eat at certain places. And once in a while, we still do that. Once in a while, we'll still go to a restaurant where I don't like the thing she wants to order and she doesn't like the thing I want to order and we'll get our separate plates. But I bet 90% of the time we go somewhere and we share a sandwich or we share a plate. And just last night we went to Chili's and got their brisket burger and split it in half and split the fries. It was plenty of food. One of the things I noticed is that I don't need to eat as much as I thought I did. And, uh, One of the things that we found in doing this, we are both trying things that we would not have tried otherwise. In other words, if I'm ordering for myself and she's ordering for herself, she would order something and I would order something and we both would pick the favorite thing for us on the menu. But now what we do is we look over the menu together and we agree to eat something, a shared meal. And and we take the sandwich and split it in half, split the fries. And what we found is that we're actually enjoying our meals even more than we did. We're trying new things and we're eating things that we wouldn't have eaten otherwise because both of us goes like, yeah, I would eat that. Okay. Yeah, I would eat that. Not the thing I would pick on the menu, me either, but that's the thing that we both would like. And it turns out it's often better than the thing we would have ordered that we've ordered in the past. When we figure out how to work together to bring a common vision of the world that we both want to unfold in front of us. There's something really beautiful about that. And I get it like Buddhism, the world of folding in front of you, the idea of just sitting with things as they are, that's fine. But when you go to a restaurant, you're going to, and you, you want to enjoy the meal. That's your goal. And in our situation, working together to find something that we both like, has been a really connecting, enjoyable experience for the two of us. And so again, taking the tie. Two more, folks. Thank you for staying with me. I'd love to see your comments if you're enjoying these uh, parables. I know they are simple and maybe geared more towards uh, a younger audience, but I do think that they teach us how to love each other and to be respectful of each other and how to handle conflict. And I'll just note before I get into these last two, I grant sometimes there is conflict that can't be worked through. Both good people are adamant that they need a certain boundary or a certain way in which their world has to look. And the other person simply can't give that. And I I totally understand that happening. But I think in most disagreements, there is there are ways to understand the other person with empathy, and there are ways to soften the disagreement so that both people can feel heard, and that whatever direction you mutually agree to go, that in most situations, it can be kind and beneficial to both parties. This one's called The River's Embrace. In a serene village, two neighboring families, the rivers and the mountains, had coexisted peacefully for generations. But one dry season, a conflict arose over the scarce water resources. The river family, who relied on the river's flow for their crops, felt that the mountains should reduce their water consumption. 
Conversely, the mountain family believed the rivers should find ways to conserve water, to preserve the natural beauty around them. As tensions escalated, the village elder, Wise Owl, was sought to mediate the dispute. Wise Owl invited river and mountain families to gather by the riverbank where they could air their grievances. Notice that, by the way, in each of these stories, there is this idea that there is a mediator. And when we were talking about IFS therapy in two of the last four or five episodes, I want you to recognize that when you start to get really grounded with the parts of you, you start to recognize that you're the mediator, you're the grounded person, and it's only these parts of you that have this uh, deep need to do things, and they're the ones who have experienced your traumas. And you're just the mediator who's grounded, who can, in a wise way, help to figure out what is best for the whole of you. Well, when you bring another person in, and my wife and I, over the last couple of weeks, have had these really cool conversations where we are doing IFS parts work with each other. She'll say something, and I'm like, um, hey, that part of you that that is biting at me at the moment, would you mind asking that part to stand off to the side for a second? I promise that part I'm coming really healthy to this conversation. And, and she'll do the same with me. And we're finding that we're having conversations that are much more friendly in the midst of tension. And so I, I suggest uh, when you hear a mediator in these stories that I'm reading, recognize that the goal is that the mediator is there inside both of you. And that it's nice to have a third party sometimes who can help listen to both of you, give both of you that feeling of being heard, and then offer advice on how to navigate a tense disagreement. But the goal would be for you to have the mediator within you. And that for the two of you to figure out how to set the parts that have anxiety aside or the parts that have trauma aside, or the parts that are trying to protect you aside, or the parts that have walls up aside. So with empathy, Wise Owl acknowledged the validity of both perspectives and proposed a solution. Let us take the tie, she suggested, and create an irrigation system that ensures both your needs are met. Together, the families built an ingenious irrigation system that directed water to the river's crops, while preserving the mountain's lush vegetation. As the river gently embraced the mountains and nourished the fields, the families realized that their needs were not mutually exclusive, but interconnected. Through the river's embrace, they understood that taking the tie could lead to a shared prosperity as they learned to rely on each other and respect unique experiences of their neighbors. I am... <clears throat> I'm reminded of lots of occasions where both parties really do need or want the world to look the way they do. Say you enter a new relationship and the way that the, your new partner manages money is very different from the way you manage money. It's easy for one side, it's either it's easy for both sides to get into an argument holding their ground. It's easy for one side to insist that the other side uh, compromise and come over to their side of things. But it takes a lot of work to sometimes create a third path. Sometimes the options are not, we could do it your way or we can do it my way. 
Rather, why don't we create a new way? And when you have a pattern of behavior and the other person has a pattern of behavior and they bump into each other, one way to take the tie is to brainstorm about what is really important to you. Maybe this mode of doing things isn't so important, but maybe the the value of feeling safe and secure in my life is really what the reason why I do the thing I do. And once you understand why somebody, why what their motives are for wanting the world to look the way they do, then you can come up with a third way, another way that still values the things they need, but gives the other person whatever they need, flexibility, or they don't, they don't, uh, they don't want to be as prompt at showing up on time. They need more time to choose their outfit at the last minute. Like whatever it is, we all have things that are important to us. And those things seem silly sometimes to the other person. But in, in, in moments where both sides want something and those things are opposed to each other, maybe set those two things aside for a moment, check in about what's important to the other person, and then create a whole brand new way that values what both sides need. Here's the last one. In a land of diverse cultures, two neighboring villages, daylight and moonlight, celebrated their traditions with immense pride. However, during a special festival, a dispute arose about the proper ways to honor their ancestors and the spirits of nature. Daylight villagers believed in vibrant celebrations under the sun's radiant light. While moonlight villagers favored serene ceremonies under the moon's gentle glow. Each side adamantly believed their way was superior. To bridge the divide, the villages decided to seek the guidance of an enlightened sage named Harmony. The wise sage taught them the art of understanding through empathy and the value of taking the tie. Harmony proposed a grand festival that spanned both day and night. The celebrations would begin in the morning, basking in the warmth of the sun, and continue seamlessly into the night under the moonlit sky. The villages worked together, blending their customs and ceremonies into a harmonious spectacle. The festival became a symphony of colors and emotions, where the radiant sun and the gentle moon coexisted in the spirits of both daylight and moonlight were honored. Through the prism of harmony, the villagers learned that taking the tie was not a sign of weakness, but a testament to the strength of unity. They embraced the idea that honoring their shared experiences, even while celebrating their differences, could create a more vibrant and resilient community. And so, the tale of the grand festival of harmony became a cherished tradition that taught generations the beauty of taking the tie in times of conflict, fostering mutual understanding and weaving the fabric of togetherness. Sometimes you can combine things. Sometimes you compromise. Sometimes you let one person get their way today and the other person gets their way next week. Sometimes you uh, set it aside and you create a third path altogether. In closing, before I close out the show, let me suggest pay close attention because you really do need to be present and aware when conflict enters your world. 
with the people that you love and care about that you share space with. So the so if you'll pay attention then and be present, you'll notice much more quickly the moment where you start to get triggered and your emotions start to get heightened. You'll notice, your partner will notice when they get triggered, hopefully, and when they start to get heightened. And before things get out of hand, take a brief pause, take a breath, anything. And then try to turn the conversation to, hey, 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 you love me. I love you. We're both passionate at this moment, and it's beginning to feel really tense. Can we just take a breath, recognize that both of us are good human beings, and that there must be some sort of difference of values, difference of perspective, or in some way, one or both of us is misunderstanding each other. And in the situation with my wife, we were both misunderstanding each other. It's my hope that each of us that listen to this podcast, including myself, that we might have a way in which we can slow down things, take our time, and begin to figure out in conflict what is the path to taking the tie. And that can show up in lots of different ways. Folks, please subscribe. If you, if you appreciate the things that we teach here on the Almost Awakened podcast that Britt Hartley has shared over the last couple of years that Janice Bangler has been sharing with us through the summer, would you go to almostawakened.org, click the donate button, and send us five or ten bucks a month? It's a small amount to be able to be part of our team and to help us put ideas out into the universe that makes this a better place. To each and every one of you, please. When we fight with those we love, both people are being hurt and there's something else going on. And if we can get our egos to quiet down a little bit, we can figure out a better path to human connection, to personal well-being, as well as assuring that the other person across from us is also enjoying their world as much as possible too. Until next time, this is the Almost Awakened Podcast. Have a beautiful day. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director Brittany Hartman.